As you heard last week, we is better than me. And so we've got a team up here today, delighted to introduce three lovely young women who do life together in their small group or connect group. And if you're impressed with them today and you want to join a group like that, you just see one of them later. You see, we got together last Monday night to practice. We'd spent six weeks or so writing it. And we sat there and said, we don't like group work. <laughs> group work is not community. I just want to put that out there. You know, you've done group work at school sometimes, and someone always did the hard work, and the others fed off that. Well, we don't, we've all done the hard work. We've done the hard yards together. And uh, so we don't like group work, but we like doing life together. Today, we are going to look at leadership failure. Yep, you heard it, leadership failure. There's only a few verses, but I think I mentioned last week in my reminiscing about Paul that later in life I discovered he was human and he failed and he needed daily doses of grace, forgiveness and mercy. So I'm reading from Acts, 6, Acts 15, just five verses talk about it. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, come, let us return and visit the believers in every city where we have visited, where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take with him John, called Mark. But Paul decided not to take with them one who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not accompanied them in the work. The disagreement became so sharp that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and set out, the believers commending him to the grace of the Lord. I want to introduce you to the backstory of some of this. You may find it strange that Paul, a writer and preacher of reconciliation, also had his dispute and disagreement after 10 years of working together with someone. There was a sharp, sharp disagreement. So listen to Courtney and Sarah and Amanda tell their story. The story begins with Barnabas. Originally named Joseph, he was a man of second chances who went against the grain to make courageous decisions. He cared about the growth of others. He chose to call out the good and nurture it. He strengthened the earliest Christian communities by coming alongside the very first believers since Jesus' crucifixion, investing, mentoring and encouraging them. So much so that the apostles started calling him by a new name, Barnabas, meaning son of encouragement. To encourage is to come alongside. Now, that might not sound like much, not so glamorous. In fact, it might even sound ordinary. Much lesser known than Paul or Mark, 
Barnabas didn't get a lot of airtime in the Bible. This mirrors the way he lived his life. We don't see him taking centre stage, yet he had a huge impact. He was vital in the formation of Paul and Mark as we know them. Without him, we may not have half the New Testament. After Saul's dramatic conversion, many were still afraid of him, including all the apostles, not Barnabas. Barnabas gave him a second chance. He set aside Saul's history and brought him to the apostles, describing Saul's genuine conversion and passionate preaching. The apostles and others slowly began to trust Saul. Barnabas advocating for him was a pivotal moment in Saul's journey. It opened the way for Saul to become Paul, the disciple. Now, not everybody trusted Paul yet. He had a violent past and was not well liked. He faced persecution, so fled to Tarsus. Barnabas sought him out. He went out of his way to actively look for Paul. He wanted Paul's help in teaching the new believers at Antioch. He saw Paul's potential for the kingdom of God. He chose to see the good despite the past. Barnabas gave him opportunities to preach and discipled him along the way. Now Barnabas was potentially risking his own reputation, ministry and life. I imagine Barnabas must have listened to and moved with the Holy Spirit to make such a courageous decision. The risk paid off. For one year, they ministered together in Antioch, bringing many to God. It was the beginning of an even greater journey. The Holy Spirit spoke into their lives, setting Barnabas and Paul apart, calling them to work together to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth the first missionary journey. They take Barnabas's cousin, John Mark, with them as their helper. The group travel from town to town teaching, and when they get to modern-day Turkey, John Mark decides to leave them and return to Jerusalem. More on that later from Sarah. Barnabas and Paul continue on evangelising. At times, they were chased by mobs, attacked and stoned. They healed the sick preached to entire cities and taught in the synagogues. Here we see a shift in both the wording of scripture and in the role of Barnabas and Paul. Acts now refers to them as Paul and Barnabas, naming Paul first. Traditionally in scripture, the most important person is referred to first. Barnabas mentored Paul into a position more prominent than his own. He empowered Paul. Barnabas was also human. Along with Peter, Barnabas was led astray. He follows Peter's example of refusing to eat with the Gentiles because he was afraid of being criticised for it. Paul calls them both out on hypocrisy. Later, Barnabas wants to take John Mark with them again on a second journey, despite him leaving them earlier. Paul refuses to take John Mark with them, maybe seeing him as unreliable. Paul was questioning Barnabas' judgment of character. I can imagine the row having stood up for Paul years earlier, despite Paul's past, yet here Paul refused to do the same for another. They go separate ways. 
Barnabas wanted Mark to come with them so much so that he was willing to go on without Paul. Barnabas was devoted to developing young leaders. Here he is again, extending grace, giving a second chance to John Mark. Had he have held resentment towards John Mark, it would have been an obstacle to God's bigger picture. Because Barnabas, the encourager, went alongside Mark, Mark never became a write-off. Barnabas understood that maturing our faith is a slow journey. We don't get it perfect. Mistakes happen, conflicts occur. He shows us that we need each other to both receive from and to give in order to grow us and to bring God's bigger plan into fruition. Barnabas was an encourager. He did this in ordinary ways that are open for all of us, choosing to repair conflict, refusing to hold resentment, showing patience with others' failures, listening to the Holy Spirit, and making bold choices. Barnabas played his part in spreading the love of God by being who God called him to be. Thank you, Courtney. So John Mark was a part of the story as well. A young man, a writer, called both deserter and friend. John Mark was a man who showed faith and servanthood. And yet his life was not without fear and gut-wrenching decisions. Acts 12.12 is where we first meet John Mark in the Bible. He came from a Christian home. And we know his mother was called Mary. And the household that John Mark grew up in was an important one in the early Christian community of Jerusalem. Excuse me, Sarah. I think there's someone to go next. John Mark's mother. Welcome from the first century. Thank you. There's just a snippet of information about me. But that's okay. I chose to stay behind the scenes. I used my gifts and station in life to support others during those incredible, exciting and dangerous days after Jesus was executed. We were devastated, having put our confidence in this man would come to believe as a Messiah, and yet we could not deny that he was different. We mourned and we believed. And then the phenomena of Pentecost burst into our lives and the seeds that Jesus had planted burst open. And we knew that he was God's Christ. We witnessed this once in history event of God coming down of heaven, meeting us on earth. I was well off and had a good reputation. So my home became central for Peter and other leaders in Jerusalem. We met together regularly and called ourselves church. Troubles came, James was killed and Peter was imprisoned. How we prayed. Did we believe that Peter would be freed? I'm not sure, but we did know that the good news of the gospel could not be stopped by death and imprisonment, even if all our key leaders died. Barnabas, a relative, and my son, John Mark, were part of that group. One of ours, Stephen, was martyred too, along with others. We didn't know who else. We'd heard rumours about a Pharisee named Saul who had permission to hunt us down and persecute us. Fortunately, my reputation and influence spared us. But we did wonder, and fear did control us for a while. 
Eventually, the persecution became so bad that our believers scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. And so did the gospel. How proud I was of our believers. One day we heard that Saul had been converted. But was that a trick to deceive us? Ananias introduced him to us. We trusted Ananias, so we gradually accepted Saul. This became a total acceptance when we heard him speak about Jesus, the one we call Lord and Christ. Little did I know then how connected my son and Barnabas would be to him. He was like a whirlwind who became part of our life. What a precious home for John Mark to grow up in. To witness and be included in the large prayer and worship meetings that his mother's household hosted must have been such a privilege. To be surrounded by a community of believers through his formative years was a blessing to John Mark's growing faith. When we pick up the story in Acts, we can see that John Mark had youth on his side. Even though he was a young believer, it didn't stop him from wanting to join the others in telling people about Jesus. He was also known as Mark the Evangelist, and we now know that he's also the author of the Gospel of Mark. John Mark's cousin was Barnabas. What a great man to be related to and what adventures that meant for them both. As Courtney has mentioned, John Mark travelled from Jerusalem to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas as they returned there to keep preaching about Jesus. This was his first trip with them. On this first missionary journey, John Mark went along as an assistant or a helper and he most likely took on a management role for the journey. But John Mark did not stay for the whole trip. He deserted Paul and Barnabas and left the work. This is the part of the story that leaves me wondering. There could have been many reasons that John Mark felt like he couldn't continue. Many reasons that probably relate to us today. Was he physically ill? Was he homesick? Was he simply overwhelmed by the hardships that might lay ahead? We actually don't know. It would have taken a great deal of courage for John Mark to join this missionary journey. And I can't help but empathise with what must have been an incredibly difficult choice for an inexperienced John Mark, to stay or to go. Paul described his choice as deserting them. Barnabas who we now know as a true encourager, still believed in John Mark's gifts and abilities. Time passed and another opportunity for John Mark to join the work of Paul and Barnabas appeared. Yet he found himself caught in a conflict between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas wanted his younger cousin to accompany them again, but Paul refused. Barnabas wanted to forgive John Mark's failure and give him another chance. Paul believed that pioneering missionary work requires dedication, resolve and endurance and John Mark could be a risk to their mission. This was a sharp dispute that John Mark found himself right in the middle of. But a decision was reached. John Mark sailed off to Cyprus with his cousin Barnabas and Paul went his separate way. That's not the end of John Mark's story. Years later, John Mark is actually reconciled with Paul. 
who calls him a fellow worker. And near the end of Paul's life, Paul sends a request to Timothy from a Roman prison. In 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, Get John Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Paul saw his growth and considered him a valuable companion. So John Mark did mature and grow through the years and he became a faithful servant of the Lord. He used his practical skills to assist others in missionary journeys and he was really willing to serve. Did he do this overnight? No. John Mark had to change, not only as he grew from a teen to a man, but also from inside his heart. I can imagine he had to reflect and ask himself some really tough questions before choosing to commit again to missionary journeys. I have no doubt John Mark was incredibly fortunate that Barnabas believed in him and his ability to be part of a team. And he was also fortunate that Peter was so taken with John Mark that he considered him to be like a son. Just like each and every one of us, to become like a servant, John Mark had to open his heart and choose to be faithful to God's leading. He didn't give up. He tried again and he kept on trying and serving. I'm sure there were times when giving up would have felt like an easier option. But John Mark had the courage and the humility to learn from his past decisions and experiences so that many people heard about Jesus. Because John Mark was faithful and because, there's a tissue there, because others believed in John Mark, you have the gospel of Mark. Isn't that wonderful? Second chances. Thank you for John Mark and Barnabas' story. Yeah. And for Mary, the mother of Jesus. Let me talk about this dispute. It wasn't a quiet dispute. It was at the church in Antioch. And the word that's used in the Greek means a blazing, horrible row. Oh my goodness. You got it? A horrible, blazing row. And the church witnessed it. You know, conflict and disagreement is normal in human life. Disputes happen. And they can be disputes about personalities. That's a hard one. They can be disputes about beliefs and preferences and opinions, and there's a lot of anger and hatred over that today, as I stand here, over people's opinions and beliefs. There's disputes about giftings and experiences. There's disputes about money and ambition, guidance and direction, so much more. But I believe that this one was about trust and responsibility, and they're the hard. Could Paul trust John Mark? He himself had been trusted by Ananias 
the community in Jerusalem by Barnabas, the community in Antioch. Paul was a very strong, steadfast person who knew that if the gospel was compromised, we would not be here today. He knew that in Jesus Christ, there was neither Jew nor Greek. They were the two main nationalities, okay? It wasn't the Jewish way. It wasn't the way of philosophy or idol worship. And he was adamant about that, so much so that he corrected Peter and Barnabas publicly. And we wonder sometimes whether he could trust Barnabas to always be on his side about neither Jew nor Greek, God, Christ, Jesus, came for anyone and everyone, regardless of ethnic background, racial background, gender, status, whatever. Paul knew that. Could he trust Barnabas? You see, Barnabas is an interesting character. He's much more the people person. He's much more, come alongside and help. He's much more, peace at any price. No, not at any price, but he's the peacemaker among them. And he, his role in life was encouraging. And it's highly probable that his time with Paul was finished. But you know, Christians don't do finishing very well. And so there's a dispute, there's an angry row and John Mark is the center of attention. I think Barnabas tried to take him away from it, and I'm not sure that, John, uh, that Paul really was blaming John Mark, but he needed something to have a row about. He wanted to be able to trust someone who was completely reliable and would stick to the gospel of good news for everyone. Now, Barnabas, too, John Mark too, you only have to read of John Mark's writings about Jesus. Anyhow, they went away. You know, having a dispute is not always a sin. Difference is not sin. Personality difference is not sin. Gifting difference is not sin. Difference of opinion is not sin. Difference of belief, difference of going to a different church, it's not sin. It's how we handle it. It's the stories we tell ourselves. It's the way that we can do life well or otherwise. Now, we know that Paul was a preacher of reconciliation. And I'm impressed that the author was willing to put this story in the scriptures we would know that Paul, John Mark, Barnabas are just like you and me. We won't always get on. We have callings, we have giftings, we have passions, we have abilities. But how we get on and how we do life together is very important. Difference is an opportunity for growth and maturity Handled well, all can remain in fellowship. As I said, it was probably okay 
and it was probably tying up, time up. They'd been together for nearly 10 years for Paul to go off and for Paul and Barnabas to separate and for John Mark to write his story about Jesus, the gospel of Mark. So Paul was a preacher of reconciliation that worked at it. And we know, I don't know how long it took, but we know that he wrote of Mark, uh, uh, John Mark. He wanted John Mark. He saw John Mark's help. He saw John Mark's gifting. And he loved John Mark. How long did it take? I don't know. I have no idea. But he also commented on Barnabas in his letter to the Corinthians. God's ways and God turning it around for good is part of our story. But what about your story? Where do you fit in that? Is there someone you need to restore a relationship with? Whether it's just to say sorry, without the but, without the blame, without the accusing, without the narrative and story, but just say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Is there someone that you need to restore fellowship with? Will you take the first step? It's hard. It's gut-wrenching at times, and you shake, but doing it is great. I only know that the longer I walk with God and have Jesus and the Spirit in my life, the quicker I need to get fellowship right. Because sometimes I can't sleep or live with myself without it. Then again, you could be like Barnabas and come alongside someone and encourage them. You could be that person who could be mentoring, discipling, helping, just encouraging. And thirdly, how about saying thank you to someone today who's been important in your life? Someone who's been there for you, who's cheered you along, who's smiled, who's given a word of encouragement, who's prayed for you, who's just been there in your life. How great that would be to do that. Because you see, we're going to go into communion. Communion is about fellowship. Communion comes from having things in common. Another word for it is Eucharist, being thankful and grateful for all that Jesus has done to make us family, to make us brothers and sisters. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because he loved us and gave himself for us, we can be made right or reconciled with God and made right and reconciled with others. We can come alongside others and say, thank you, I don't mind if you take out your text and send a text right now, as long as it's a thank you one. But most of all, we can share around this table, this fellowship, and eat and drink because of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, and because we are reconciled with him and with others. So today, we'll just do it a little bit different. We'll stand up. We'll do it in groups of two or three or four, just around, and just say thank you to each other. Just say, God bless you. I'm pleased to belong to the family of God. Just something simple. 
And uh, you see, I finished early today, four of us, and we finished early. So you've got time to do this before the team come and sing. So just stand up, everyone stand up. And if you haven't got one of these and want one, go down the back. If you don't want to participate, that's all right. Um, it's fine. Just take the lid off, get your wafer, and eat and drink.